Would you pray with me, please? Be with us this morning, God. Quiet our hearts. May our spirits be still that we might hear from you. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And looking upon that which he had created, God deemed it all very good. But then sometime later, through the arrogance and the transgression of humankind, the very good creation became marred and broken. Sin and evil slowly and steadily beginning to disrupt and to distort this original goodness of things. In response to this sad development, God himself, through a mysterious, unfathomable act, eventually took on human form so as to redeem this very good creation. And consequently, because he did, all that has already been redeemed will one day be fully and finally transformed, at which point sin and evil will be fully and finally dealt with, and injustice and oppression and exploitation will be no more, and suffering and pain and sorrow will cease, and even death, the final obstacle of all, will be overcome. That's the story. That's the Christian story. Creation, fall, redemption, transformation. The story. The story of all stories. I want us to hear now this illuminating quote from the renowned philosopher Alice Dare McIntyre. And I quote, I can only answer the question, what am I to do, if I can answer the prior question of what story am I a part? Or to put that differently, I can only know how best to live. I can only feel content with my life. I can only feel like my life means something if I first recognize the grand narrative that I am living in that I am living for, that I am living out of. The story, McIntyre points out, is vital. Now, as I say, this is an illuminating quote, and I believe it to be a deeply important idea. But here's why I draw our attention to it this morning. I do so because this is ultimately what the Apostle Paul was trying to convey to the church in Thessalonica when he wrote them the two letters that we know today as 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Which is to say, Paul was trying to convey to the Thessalonians the importance of recognizing and trusting in and holding fast to the grand Christian story. To remembering it. For you see, when Paul had first come to these Thessalonians, Paul had thought, just as all the earliest Christians had thought, that Jesus would be returning any minute. 
Thus, this was precisely what Paul had taught these Thessalonians when first he'd come to them, that Jesus, in the fullness of his kingdom, would be returning any minute to execute final judgment and to usher in this final transformation of all things, this transformation for which they longed. But now, several years later, some of the members of the Thessalonian church had died. And still no Jesus. And thus still no kingdom and no final transformation. And therefore, the Thessalonians were beginning to fear that the final part of the grand narrative that they had placed their faith in, which is to say the transformation part of the grand Christian story, well, they were beginning to fear that that part may not be happening after all. At least not in the way that they had supposed it to be happening for they had thought that they would all be alive when Jesus returned but now some of them were dying and they didn't know what this meant either for themselves or and perhaps even more importantly for those who had just died and thus the story that they understood themselves to be living in was no longer making the same kind of practical sense to them. For they had believed one thing and shaped their lives in accordance with it. But now they were struggling with confusion and uncertainty. And so here in 1 Thessalonians, and yet again in 2 Thessalonians, which scholars all agree was written Just a mere few years later, Paul here writes to the Thessalonians, urging them to still trust the integrity of the overarching story, even if it happens to be unfolding over a longer period of time than he'd first taught them. Don't give up on this story, Paul is essentially saying. And don't be misled by opportunistic naysayers, he's saying. No, trust in the story. Believe in the story. Live your lives in light of the story, he's saying. For it is the story and it is the only story that will deliver life abundant. Life now and life forevermore. You see, here's why this matters so much, this whole idea of the story. Once the Thessalonians had begun to doubt the integrity of the story, they had inevitably begun to change their lives on account of it. Many of them had become idle, giving up on the kingdom-shaped work that they'd been doing. Many had grown anxious, and fearful and forlorn. Some of them had begun to doubt the wisdom of deferring gratification, and they'd begun instead trying to maximize the pleasure of any given moment, thereby becoming irresponsible to and for and with one another. And this was principally because, Paul was pointing out, 
They'd cease to feel inspired and captivated and compelled by the grand narrative that had heretofore been giving their lives meaning. Thus Paul wrote to them as a matter of pastoral and theological concern. This we declare to you by the Lord himself. The Lord himself with a cry of command will come again and the dead shall rise. Creation, yes. Fall, yes. Redemption, yes. But still to transformation. It is coming. Paul was saying. Well, that was 2,000 years ago, yet still we wait. And if the Thessalonians, some mere 15 years later, struggled with trusting the integrity of the Christian story, then surely it makes sense that all these years later we might struggle a bit with it ourselves. Right? But the thrust of these two ancient letters from the Apostle Paul, and in fact, the thrust of this entire sermon series on the Apostle Paul, are implorations for us to appreciate the beauty and the power of this story and to therefore recommit our lives to living in light of it. For you see, if we understand ourselves to be living within this particular story, which is to say, if we understand ourselves to be living in a world that is shot full with divine goodness, well, then if so, we will never be susceptible to pessimistic and cynical takes about how the world is going to hell in a handbasket and how it's just an irredeemable dumpster fire of which there are plenty such bad takes out there. We won't be susceptible. Meanwhile, and conversely, if we also understand ourselves to be living in a good world that is nonetheless beset by sin and evil on all sides, well, then in that case, we will never be susceptible to overly sanguine and rosy takes that suggest that we're actually pretty good people and we just need to tweak a few unjust systems here and get rid of a few bad apples there, at which point all on earth will be merry and bright. Such absurd takes as these are plentiful in our day as well. And finally, and most importantly of all, if we understand ourselves to be living in a broken world that has already been redeemed and that will consequently one day be finally and fully transformed, if so then, if we really believe that, we think that's the story we're living in. If so, we will inevitably try to bend our lives now into accordance with how things will be then, which is to say inevitably trying to draw out the inherent goodness of creation whenever and however we see it and can, and meanwhile trying as best we can to stamp out all sin and evil and overcome it. What's more, we will then hasten to tell everyone we know about this promised hope and to invite others to join us in looking for and in longing for and even in instantiating signs of its inbreaking. breaking 
Yes, if we as Christians know and trust the story that we are living in, we will then know why our lives and what we do with them matter now, no matter when the final transformation might happen. Oh, this I declare to you, brothers and sisters, by the word of the Lord, the Lord himself, with a cry of command, will come again, and the dead shall rise. For this purpose he called you through proclamation of the good news, so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, and so that you might be with the Lord forever. These are the Apostle Paul's words from 2,000 years ago. Oh, how relevant they still are today. For this same grand narrative is the thing that best centers our broken humanity and the promise of its transformative ending is the thing that inspires meaning and purpose in our daily lives. For our lives require a story. We can only know who we are and how best we should live in the context of of a story, and this, dear family, is the truest story of them all, the story of all stories, creation, fall, redemption, transformation. On this World Communion Sunday, as we with the Christian church worldwide partake of the bread and the cup of Christ together, may we be mindful of the story that supplies meaning to what we're doing. Let us never forget and let us never take for granted our story of transformation promise. May we live in it and may we live for it. And may we live out of it this day and every day forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen. And as we